Hey Bridgewater Church family, my name is Emily, and we're so glad you're with us today. We've got all kinds of ways that you can get involved around here, so check out this week's Bridgewater Buds. Our next all-church game night is this Friday on June 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Get ready to engage in some friendly competition. There are always plenty of game choices, so there's something for everyone. You won't want to miss out on this fun-filled time to connect in. See you there. A great way that you can help love on our neighbors is by helping serve meals to those who are experiencing homelessness. We meet at the Carriage Motel on Dixie Highway the first Tuesday of each month at 5.30 p.m., including Tuesday, June 6th. Check the menu in the lobby to sign up to bring something or help serve. You can email Kay at kay at bwch.org for more information. We've got a summer save the date for you. On Sunday, June 11th, we're having an all-church picnic. We reserve the Clydesdale shelter at Parky's Farm and are asking that you bring a side dish or two to share. We're providing hot dogs, all the plates and utensils, and water. Feel free to bring whatever else your family may need, including blankets and lawn gear. We will head over after the 11 a.m. service and spend the afternoon fun and fellowship together. Make sure you have June 11th on your Next time you'll be a natural. Okay. Our Senior Adult Ministry Oasis has a summer picnic coming up next month. Join us Tuesday, June 20th at 1130 a.m. at the park down the hill by the Fairfield Police Station. If it's rainy, we'll meet here at the church instead. You can sign up in the lobby or email Kay at kay at bwch.org for more information. Family Fun Day annually impacts this community in amazing ways, and this year is happening a little earlier in the summer on Saturday, July 29th. A huge way you can help is to donate clean clothing and shoes. Start gathering your items now as you're pulling out summer clothes. Collection begins today, and you'll be able to drop your bags in the bed in the lobby. Questions? Contact Kay at BWCH for all the details. Thanks for loving our neighbors well. We're so glad to be part of this Bridgewater family and can't wait to connect with you. You can find us online at bwch.org or by following Bridgewater Church on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for joining us for worship. Bridgewater Church, my name is Liz and I'm the online pastor here. We are so excited that you've joined us for this morning's service, but before we begin, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this special way of coming together, of learning more about who you are and what you've called us to in the world around us. God, this morning we ask that you would speak to us and that you would encourage us and show us how to look more like you. We love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen.
Hi, Pastor Rod here from Bridgewater Church, and happy Memorial Day weekend to you. I hope your holiday weekend's off to a good start. You know, tomorrow being Memorial Day, I know you and your family probably have a lot of plans to celebrate the day. And that's great. You know, Memorial Day started originally as a way to remember those who were lost in battles and fought for our country. One of the earliest accounts of celebrating uh, those who are uh, remembering those who have passed comes from 1865 in Charleston, South Carolina, where some free slaves and some missionaries got together and uh, took care of a cemetery. You see, there was a, a Civil War uh, concentration camp or a prisoner of war camp uh, that the Confederates had of the Union soldiers. And at the, the end of the war, uh, there was about 257 loss uh, disease at that camp, and the graves were left in disrepair. And so the people of that community decided to do something about it, and they redid the graves and, and uh, put headstones up and, and honored those who had died for their, uh, for their freedom. And that was a, that's a wonderful story. I think that's the best Memorial Day story I've ever, ever came, come across. But that's how it got started. And so, you know, we celebrate Memorial Day now to remember also the, our fallen soldiers, but also those of our family and friends who've gone ahead of us. So I, I want to talk to you about memorials today. And we're going to be reading from the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua took over from Moses uh, after Moses passed away, and God instructed Joshua to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Now, the Israelites had been traveling out of the, the uh, wilderness for 40 years because they had been disobedient to God. But God told them it was time to go into the promised land. And so, this is how the account goes. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says this, Early in the morning, Joshua and the Israelites set out from Shidon and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. I think that's a great line. We, very often in life, we presume we know all about what we need to do and all about our, our future. But the truth is, we really need to be able to follow God's lead. And so I think it's really important to be in tune to his, his direction. Joshua 3.5 says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourself. What does that mean? Well, you know, to consecrate yourself means to give one's time and attention uh, to something important, particularly something sacred. You know, the Israelites did it by ceremonial washing and cleaning and abstaining from certain things. We do it by getting alone with God, spending time in prayer, and reading His Word. It's important to get in tune with the Lord, spending some time with Him to try and hear what He wants to say to us. So, it's interesting, when they, God led the Israelites to cross the Jordan River, it was in flood stage, it was in the spring, so the, the uh, winter snows had melted and the spring rains had come and the river was in flood stage. Now, ordinarily, uh, the Jordan is not that impressive. It, in fact, it's you could wade over in most spots pretty easily, but not not during the spring floods. And so, in this flood stage, uh, there was no way the Israelites could cross over. 
And God used this for a very specific purpose, to show his power amongst his people. Chapter 4, verse 1 says this, When the old nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, from one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you should take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In your future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel. And we read in the passage uh, a little deeper that the, the river stopped flowing from the town of Adam and piled up in a heap. Now, I don't know the physics of that, uh, but the Bible says the water piled up in that heap and stayed there, and the rest of the water flowed down to the Dead Sea, and they crossed over on dry ground. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at a mud puddle or, or if I look at a muddy surface, it takes a while for that dry to dry up. But the Bible says that they crossed over on dry ground. That is an amazing thing that God caused to happen. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, and as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests had carried the ark of the covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. So what is this memorial stones? What are they? Now we, in our present day, we set monuments and memorials all the time. Uh, you know, for loved ones who have passed away, uh, you know, to commemorate tragedies like 9-11, or to, to commemorate great victories and, uh, uh, you know, for battles and things where, the, you know, we were victorious. But I want to talk to you about the most memorial stones of our life, the, the times where uh, we can remember when God acted on our behalf. Now on your screen here, you're going to see a, a picture of some stones piled together. Those are my memorial stones. Uh, when Misty and I bought our, our property that we're living on now, I set up those stones as a reminder to me about how good God has been to my family. And those stones represent a lot of different things. God's uh, providing for me. Uh, some of the stones represent family members and uh, friends that we care about. And I look at those stones from time to time and I'm reminded of just how good God has been. And so today I want to talk to you about my memorial stones, not literally the stones that I set up in my field, but the stones of memories that of times when God acted on my behalf. And he has been uh, acting on my behalf all my life. Uh, the first stone I tell you about is how uh, the faith of my mother inspired me. You know, my mom and dad, uh, uh, when they were married and we kids were little, you know, they didn't go to church. In fact, my dad wasn't a Christian. And a, a little pastor from the neighborhood church where, uh, where we lived came down the street and invited my mom uh, to come to church and to, to experience their service. And I was just a, you know, a few months old, a baby. 
And from that point forward, my mom went to the set church, and we went to Sunday school there, and, to, and we learned about God. And mom taught me how to pray and to, to remember memory verses and, and to read the Bible. And, you know, that, that grew my faith. And also I saw how she interacted with my dad, who I loved dearly, but was not a Christian, and how she stood firm in her faith, yet faithful to her husband at the same time. And uh, that, that really set the foundation for my life. That was a memorial stone, a foundation for my faith. You know, God had uh, used my mother to teach me to pray. And whenever something came up, even as a kid, my first inclination was to pray immediately, to seek the Lord. When I was in fifth grade, I saw uh, a couple kids fighting in the schoolyard after school one day. Uh, one had a big stick, one had a knife, and I, you know, I, I, I was concerned that they were going to hurt each other. So I ran into the building and got the principal and came out, and they were gone. But, you know, I was concerned that they would get, uh, get hurt. But the next day in, in school, one of the kids, the one with the knife, was in my classes. Uh, it was my fifth grade year. And uh, the teacher had to leave the class for a period of time, and he came over with his knife threatened to cut me and told me he was going to get me after school. I was terrified and I didn't learn anything the rest of the afternoon because I was just afraid when that bell was going to ring to tell us to go home. And when it did ring, I just started praying. When I exited school, that kid with the knife and another guy were waiting for me. And as I came down the steps, I could hear him say, I'm going to hit that Rodney Ray. And I walked past him. I didn't run. I didn't try and hide from him. I just Walked right past them. Now, I think that was the hand of the Lord protecting me. They didn't even see me. I walked within six feet of them uh, and walked right past them. That's a memorial stone of God's protection in my life that I could trust Him. When I was 17, I was working at Americana, uh, which an amusement park on Route 4 here in Ohio. It's gone now. Uh, I had an old beat up car, and as I was leaving one rainy night, my friend Howard and I were were uh, pulling out of the parking lot and onto Route 4, and I saw some cars coming on, and I thought, well, I'm going to beat them. Uh, I don't want to wait, and I was anxious to get home. But the tires in that car were kind of bald and uh, not very good shape. And when I pulled out, I went into a, a spin because I tried to go too fast. And I was doing that like a 360 spin. And uh, I cried out, Jesus, save us, because I was terrified that we're going to be in this horrible accident cars coming. The car immediately righted itself in, in the right direction, and I applied this accelerant, and we, we, off we went, and we were fine. God protected us that night when I cried out to him. You know, I, I wasn't always a Christian. You know, I had served the Lord as a teenager, but in my late teens, I pulled away from God and started doing my own thing. Not that I didn't believe in God. I certainly did. Um, it, was fun, you know, it was fundamental to my, uh, my thinking and my psyche. However, I had gotten to this place where I wanted to do my own thing. And, and even though I loved the Lord, I, I just wanted to be who I wanted to be, kind of selfishly. And uh, so I pulled away from the Lord. I wasn't living the life that I knew I should be living. But as I went from job to job, always trying to improve, uh, you know, I, I get a job here, making a little more money, and then you know, another opportunity come. One thing was constant. God always sat me right next to a Christian, a believer, someone to, to uh, be, bear witness to me. Now, they weren't in-your-face kind of people. Oh, Rod, you need to get saved. Oh, Rod, you need to turn your life around. No, but they were consistently hard workers. 
they honored the Lord, they prayed over their food when they ate lunch, uh, they didn't use the language that the other people used. God always put me next to a Christian. Every time I changed a job, tried to advance my career, there was always someone there bearing witness to, to God uh, and his goodness and how I should be serving him. God hadn't given up on me. And he pursued me. And eventually, through all that, a, a man that I worked with uh, at the paper mill at my last job, I worked with, he witnessed to me and shared the, the gospel and knew my story. And eventually, I gave my heart back to the Lord. Not long after this, uh, at my home church, uh, I met this young lady. She came in for a visit to visit family. And her name was Missy. And uh, I loved that girl. Uh, and we hit it off. And uh, she lived in West Virginia, and I lived here in Ohio. And she would come in for a visit now and then. And we started dating in January of 1989. And we went out a few dates. Now, when I say dating, uh, once a month I'd go visit her, and once a month she'd come visit me. And uh, we spent lots of uh, time on the telephone. And uh, I started getting this feeling that this is the girl that I should marry. And uh, which really seemed odd because we'd only been dating a very short period of time, just about seven or eight weeks. But it kept coming to my head that, that she was the one that I would be needing to marry. And one uh, weekend when I went down to West Virginia, I was staying in a hotel room. And uh, after a date, I went back to my room. And I was just feeling so uh, confused because it just didn't make sense. And I started praying, Lord, I, you know, I, I'm just not sure. Is this right? Are you, are, are you really leading me to this, this woman? And I did something I never do, which is I just flipped my Bible open. Let it fall open to, to anywhere just to see what it, like, passage it comes upon. And it opened up to Proverbs. And it was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not in your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Lean not into your own understanding. God was leading me to, to marry this woman. I didn't understand it at the time. But in May of that year, we were engaged. In fact, it was Memorial Day weekend, oddly enough. And uh, by August, we were married. And so in a short eight months' time, we went from our first date to being married. We've been married coming this August 34 years. We don't argue. We don't fight. You know, we have our disagreements, you know, but not, you know, these yelling matches or uh, really, you know, anything like that. We really get along well together. We enjoy each other's company. That's a memorial stone, how God picked the right person for me. That's my story. That's a... You know, I, I look at these these things that the Lord has done in my life, and it gives me this confidence that He's caring for me. Let me tell you about uh, our children. You know, you'll see a picture of our whole family on the screen here in just a moment. Uh, Missy and I have four kids: Tracy, Adam, Paige, and Caleb. And now, Tracy, uh, when uh, before Tracy was born, Missy had trouble getting pregnant, and we had two miscarriages. And then we were able to have Missy. Or Tracy, and then Missy had another miscarriage, and we had Adam, and he was an emergency C-section. And after that, the doctors told us no more children because it was just too hard on Missy's body. Uh, she had too many complications. And we were kind of devastated because we had planned on having four, five, six kids. Now, I know that's crazy thinking, right? But we wanted a big family. 
But uh, after a period of time, we felt well, like we were, uh, you know, we still felt like we wanted more children, and so we felt led to go into fostering. We fostered for a while, and through all that, God worked a miracle. We were able to adopt Paige and Caleb. Now we wanted infants. Uh, everybody wants infants, right? Uh, but it's difficult. It's a, it's a difficult thing to do because uh, the demand is high, uh, and we just didn't know if we'd be able to get a, uh, a, a uh, infant, a newborn, but uh, or even a toddler. But after a period of time, God opened the door, and we were able to uh, get Paige. We took her home five days uh, after uh, her being born. She was still in the hospital when we picked her up. We got her right out of the hospital five days after she was born. And then Caleb became a, a private adoption, and we got him, got to hold him the day he was born, and we took him home the next day. And so they have always been with us, as as if they, we had given birth to them. That's a memorial stone that God created a, a, an expansion of our family, but not only uh, gave us two more kids, but gave us babies that we wanted. He's been so good to us time and time again. He's been faithful. I'll tell you a story about how God delivered me from certain certain death. Uh, I got invited on a whitewater rafting trip uh, with some friends at work. And on this trip, the river, uh, New River Gorge there in West Virginia, we went down the New River, and it was in flood stage, much like the, the Jordan River's in flood stage in our story. And the week before we went uh, whitewater rafting, a young girl, teenage girl, got swept under some rocks after a a rabbit called Barry's Hole and, and drowned. Well, we went down the river. Our guides were new guides. They, they were experienced rafters, but new to being the guides. And as they took us down the river, we got caught in the current because of it being flood stage and actually started heading for this rapid called Barry's Hole. It's a class four rapid. And we weren't supposed to go through it, but we, we couldn't escape it. And so our raft went through that rapid and literally we dropped down into a hole in the river, it seemed like. 360 degrees, nothing but water around us and daylight ahead, uh, uh, overhead. And uh, as we came up on the other side, we thought, yeah, I thought, yeah, we're going to make it. And then a big wave hit us and knocked us all out of our raft. And I got swept in the current. And I got washed down the river, what seemed like, you know, hundreds of yards, but I'm sure it was only maybe a dozen feet or so before I came up for water, or air out of the water. Now, before they told us to, uh, before we started rafting, they told us not to lose your paddle because you're going to need it. So I held on to my paddle hard and tight. But when I came up, I came up on the left side of the river along the rocks where the girl had died. And the people in all the other rafts, the other guides, were yelling at, it, at me to swim towards the center of the river, a river away from the edge of the, 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 the left side. And I couldn't do that with a paddle in my hand. Now, I was a pretty strong swimmer in those days. I used to scuba dive. And I threw my paddle away and started swimming towards the middle of the river, but no, no dice. The current was just too strong. And I turned around to face the rocks that were overhanging the, the left side of the river and was being swept right towards the spot where the girl had drowned. And I cried out, Lord, save me. Because I thought to myself, I'm not going to get to see Tracy grow up. She was only about three months old. And then I felt this tap on my shoulder, and I looked, and it's this paddle I threw away upriver. And I grabbed it and was able to take hold of the paddle and shove it against the rock just as I got to it and push off. And the current carried me around behind it and into a quiet eddy where I was later rescued. That's a memorial stone. I threw that paddle away, way up river 
and it was there when I needed it. God was there when I needed it. That's a memorial stone for me. Missy, on her 40th birthday, had a, a disc rupture in her back, and it was catastrophic. And she lost all feeling from her waist down. And this was going to be a life-changing event. Now, life-changing, like things were never going to be the same. Uh, she lost control of some bodily function, had no feeling whatsoever from waist down. And so we ended up in emergency surgery uh, on her 40th birthday. And in the middle of the night, I'm sitting in the late waiting room all by myself while she's in surgery, praying, God, touch her, heal her, guide the surgeon's hand. So after a couple of weeks, the surgery had been a success. She gained uh, most of the feeling in her body and all her bodily function back. She has some numbness down her left, uh, right leg still. But overall, it didn't change our lives that much, except that it helped us to trust God even more. God touched her, healed her. That's a memorial stone for us. Let me tell you about my dad. My dad was a rough, tough construction worker, hard drinker, hard smoker, just a stereotypical uh, construction worker type of guy, tough guy. Never wanted to hear about the Lord. Never would let me talk to him about that. Wouldn't let mom talk to him about Later in life, his health failed uh, six or seven years before he died. Uh, he gave up drinking, gave up smoking, but the damage to his body was done. And he developed cancer, and by the time they found it, it was stage four, and his, his uh, end was very near. And I was brokenhearted over this. I was concerned that he was going to end an eternity lost. And I, I just was so hurt and, and uh, broken for my dad. And one evening at church, uh, one Sunday evening at church, some friends came around me. A lady in church stood up in the service and stopped service and said, I believe we need to pray for Brother Rob. Uh, pray for him and his dad. And so they took me down to the altar, and people gathered around and laid hands on me. Pastor anointed my forehead and said, Rod, I'm going to pray that knowing that your father will get saved and will accept Christ, that you'll be the one to allow, be allowed to lead and they prayed over me, and I wept, and they hugged and loved on me. And just a few days later, I went back to my mom and dad's house. Dad's on the bed. Nin is near, we know it. And I started talking to him about the Lord. And for the first time in my life, he allowed me to talk to him about the Lord. And he accepted Christ. A week and a half later, he was gone. But God allowed him to enter eternity. Gave me the opportunity to share the gospel with him. That's a memorial stone. Last story I want to share with you. When Caleb, our youngest, was about three years old, he came up missing one Sunday afternoon. We couldn't find him. He was a little guy, but he was fast, and he disappeared out of the living room. Miss and I had been in the kitchen getting dinner, and we didn't know what happened. And we lived on a busy street and uh, a state route, and traffic was heavy. And he could have gone outside and been picked up by somebody and gone in seconds. And that was our fear. And we canvassed the neighborhood and asked our neighbors to help us look for him. We searched everywhere, couldn't find him. And I started praying in my panic, God, help me find your son. And God spoke to me. Now, not in an audible voice, but in my spirit, in my heart, in my mind's eye, I could hear what God was saying. And he said, check your own mark. And when I ran back in the house, and Adam ran ahead of me, told Adam, run upstairs and check our armoire. And as we ran up the stairs and we got to my armoire, we opened up and there was Caleb 
He didn't bother with Armand. That's the deal. He had found a bag of candy that he knew he wasn't supposed to have before he said he did it, and taken and hidden in there, and was eating candy and fell asleep. That's a memorial story. God knew where our stuff was. And we turned to him. Once we turned to him for that, he led us to where we needed to go. I could tell you for hours, or spend hours, telling you story after story, hundreds of times. God has delivered. God has provided. He has protected kept me safe times I knew about, probably thousands of times I don't know about, and the same will be true for you. God has protected you. He's provided for us. Uh, there's been so many times God has moved in our life and the life of my family. Joshua 4, 19 says this, The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan Joshua set up at Gilgal. He said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in, in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until it passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Some interesting points in that passage I want to share with you. Tenth day of the first month was the day the Passover lamb was to be picked. You know, the Passover is when the uh, Israelites sacrificed the lamb to roll their sins back for another day. But Jesus became the ultimate Passover lamb. He paid the price. Joshua 3.10 says, This is how you will know the living God is among you. God the Father sent Jesus into this world so that we may know that he is in the world amongst us, and that he loves us, and that he cares for us. He sent his son Jesus so we may know just how much he loves us and cares for us. In that town that talked about, that town of Gilgal, when you translate that name into English, it means rolling or to, to roll away. Like the old things are rolled away, and it's a new start, a clean slate. Just like the stone in front of the tomb was rolled away so we could see that Jesus wasn't in there. That our God is the living God, and he rose again so that we might experience freedom from sin and a new beginning, a clean slate. So why do we need memorial stones? Why are they necessary? Now, I'm not saying that you need to set up a physical, literal set of stones. But we do need to set up uh, in our hearts and our minds a memorial of what God has done. Why? Well, first, to remind us how good and faithful God has been to us. He's always been there for me and my family, and I know that if you search your heart, that you, you can see his hand working in your lives as well. Romans 8, 28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's amazing. Now, that doesn't mean everything in our lives is good, or that every experience is great, but God can take whatever happens in our life and bring good out of it. That's exciting, and that's encouraging. Secondly, we need to set up those memorial stones in our heart to give us confidence for the unforeseen days ahead, those uncertain times when we don't know what's going to happen. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God knows what lays ahead for us. And he has plans to prosper us, 
plans to make our lives uh, all they can be. Now I'm not talking about necessarily wealth and, and uh, luxury. I'm talking about spiritual uh, wealth and spiritual luxuries. Uh, life with him and an assurance of eternity in heaven. He wants us to prosper. And lastly, we have to set these more stones in our hearts and our minds so that our lives will serve as witnesses to the lost world around us of God's power and his faithfulness so that they may know that the living God is among us by the way we share our stories and testimonies of how he's moved in our lives. Let me end today's message with this thought, this, this passage from Isaiah 49, 15-16. It says this, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born. Let me tell you, though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. I think that's extraordinary. Now, I can't imagine a mother forgetting the baby that she's holding, if that's even possible. But even if she could, God could never forget us. And if he can never forgets us. If he always remembers us, shouldn't we always remember him and all he's done for us? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for our friends who watch online and in, uh, Lord, the space they're in, uh, I ask that you fill them uh, with your holy presence and your Holy Spirit that you anoint them. Remind them, God, of how good you've been. And Lord, help them to realize that they can trust you for provision, for protection, Lord, and for guidance and for for the future for their lives. Bless them abundantly, Lord, and help them to know just how good you are and how much you love them. Make it plain to them, Father. Make yourself known to them in very tangible ways. For I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Friends, thank you for tuning in today and spending time with me and our friends at Bridgewater Church. We want you to know that we love you and you're always welcome to be part of our services. And we want to tell you to take heart be transformed.
Hey Bridgewater Church family, my name is Emily, and we're so glad you're with us today. We've got all kinds of ways that you can get involved around here, so check out this week's Bridgewater Buds. Our next all-church game night is this Friday on June 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Get ready to engage in some friendly competition. There are always plenty of game choices, so there's something for everyone. You won't want to miss out on this fun-filled time connection. See you there. A great way that you can help love on our neighbors is by helping serve meals to those who are experiencing homelessness. We meet at the Carriage Inn Motel on Dixie Highway the first Tuesday of each month at 5.30 p.m., including Tuesday, June 6th. Check the menu in the lobby to sign up to bring something or help serve. You can email Kay at kay at bwch.org for more information. We've got a summer save the date for you. On Sunday, June 11th, we're having an all-church picnic. We reserve the Clydesdale shelter at Parkies Farm and are asking that you bring a side dish or two to share. We're providing hot dogs, all the plates and utensils, and water. Feel free to bring whatever else your family may need, including blankets and lawn gear. We will head over after the 11 a.m. service and spend the afternoon in fun and fellowship together. Make sure you have June 11th on your Next time you'll be a natural. Okay. Our Senior Adult Ministry Oasis has a summer picnic coming up next month. Join us Tuesday, June 20th at 1130 a.m. at the park down the hill by the Fairfield Police Station. If it's rainy, we'll meet here at the church instead. You can sign up in the lobby or email k at k at bwch.org for more information. Family Fun Day annually impacts this community in amazing ways, and this year is happening a little earlier in the summer on Saturday, July 29th. A huge way you can help is to donate clean clothing and shoes. Start gathering your items now as you're pulling out summer clothes. Collections begins today and you'll be able to drop your bags in the bed in the lobby. Questions? Contact Kay at BWCH for all the details. Thanks for loving our neighbors well. We're so glad to be part of this Bridgewater family and can't wait to connect with you. You can find us online at BWCH.org or by following Bridgewater Church on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for joining us for worship.